What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. I just went to my happy place. I just went to Maui, and it was truly amazing. Priceline has always been about getting you to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else, like up to 60% off select hotels in Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Dew Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to the Final Four is not on the schedule. He is Rod. I am Cameron. Michigan State wins the season opener 83 to 67 against Eastern Michigan. Uh, and Rod, it was uh, kind of tight. Uh, game for about 12 minutes um before foster lawyer starts going crazy and hitting three pointers um and then from that point on it just kind of stayed about the same range uh you know 16 to 22 um points yep um what's your your initial takeaway it was rough um <laughs> It was it was a rough game, and you know we kind of we kind of alluded to this, and I and I wasn't sure, but I had a sneaking feeling that we might see something like this because um, playing against any kind of zone, and specifically that zone, it's it's just not a natural thing for these guys, and. Um, I, I just I, I wondered about that, and I think that had I'm not going to say that had everything to do with. It. There's a lot of blame to go just in general the way Michigan State played, um, but I think that had something to do with it. That you know it, it takes you out of sync of what your your instincts tell you to do when you're playing against a zone. You're fighting mm-hmm. against your instincts a lot, and and that's how it looked tonight to me and then you also had guys you know Joey Hauser hasn't played competitive basketball in a long time a competitive basketball game he looked out of sync for a lot of that half you know we've we've heard Izzo go on and on and on about how you know he's the best big man passer he's had since Draymond and he had at least two plays tonight where he threw the ball to absolutely no one and I think and what do he end up with five turnovers yeah five turnovers <laughs> So, and, and, uh, two assists. Mm-hmm. So that was indicative of it. That, that doesn't mean that some individuals didn't play well. I think they did. But, um, and there were things Michigan State did that were okay. But let's, let's not kid ourselves too. So the final margin was 16. That's against an Eastern Michigan team. And again, uh, comparative scoring, especially year to year, doesn't mean a lot. But that's a team MSU beat by more than 50 last year. Yeah. And even worse, that's a team that had six guys, six scholarship players, miss this game. Now, they didn't disclose why. I have to believe it was due, due to COVID. And I think that 
we're just as as fans, people who follow the sport, talk about it, think about it. We're just going to have to get used to this kind of thing, at least through the non-conference, because if that was a Big Ten school, I have to believe that would have been disclosed well before the game. Mm-hmm. That was something that broke basically at shoot-around time when Eastern came out there with eight guys. But I, I guess my point is that was not a full complement Eastern Michigan team. They didn't have either of the, the big men that we talked about. Yeah, um, they only think, really had one forward, no center. Yeah, really. of the expected guy, the guys we expected to start, three of them played: Louder, Montero, and, and Gross. The other two guys did not did not play, and many of the reserves did not play. So um, that that also needs to, you know, I'm keeping that in mind. That was not even a full complement Eastern Michigan team. And again, especially because they didn't have the size, that should have opened up far more than it did for Michigan State in the paint. But again, they had give credit to Eastern. I thought they did play that zone. The guys who played, played it effectively. They were aggressive, as we talked about. Michigan State didn't always handle that very well. And, and Michigan State had real problems getting the ball consistently into the gaps. When they did it, Generally speaking, good things happen. You know, I it, honestly, you know, although we came into the game saying that's a role that seems tailor made for Joey Hauser, I don't think he played particularly well in it tonight. No, it's I don't. Mostly Malik Hall. Hall. Malik Hall, absolutely. Malik Hall had five assists, uh, zero turnovers, and went three for six from the floor, and I think played a really nice composed game and that's what you need in that role you need somebody playing with composure they don't get rattled they don't get hurried they don't get rushed joey and i'm I'm not saying oh joey hauser isn't what we thought he was it's one game it's his first game i suspect that he's going to settle in and play much 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 better and in fact in the latter say 15 minutes of the second half he did play much better you know, he ended up their second leading scorer in this game, so he did some good things. Mm-hmm. But um yeah, that that was I, I attribute it's a lot of different things. Like Michigan State didn't come out with particularly great focus. Um I think that the zone had something to do with it, uh, with slowing them down and making them overthink. Uh you know, there were just a lot of different and then the first game of the season, you know, a lot of different things that go into it. But, you know, we have to tell the truth. That was not a great effort by Michigan State. Again, I think some individual guys can be very happy. I think there are things to be encouraged about. Um, but there are also things that, you know, we talked about as issues coming into the season that I, at least after one night, I think are still issues. Mm. Primarily defensive rebounding. I mean, if I, if I was discouraged about anything in this game, at the top of the list, it's that. I thought, I thought the, the defensive rebounding was horrendous. Because that's, that's a terrible offensive rebounding team you're playing against, which didn't have much of its size. And you just, you just got out hustled. I mean, they just, Eastern Michigan just flat out out hustled them and made them pay. And, and that's an area we said was a weakness last season. Well, after tonight, it's still a weakness. And they got to figure it out. And, and, you know, I think some of that hopefully will happen when there's a more regular rotation that's in place and that gets sorted out. 
and and that'll have something to do with it, I think, with improving it. But boy, there's a lot of improvement that needs to take place in that area of the game, mm-hmm. in my opinion. And so we did see quite a surprise um, with the starting lineup. I mean, I was pretty surprised to see Foster Lawyer starting. Um, yeah, well, the, the the word on Lawyer Kithier isn't a total shock because, as we've talked about, you could make a case for any one of about four guys. Maybe three, because I don't know that you could realistically make a case for Sissoko yet. But Bainham, Kithier, or Marble, or maybe even a Hall-Hauser starting combo. So, yeah, four guys you could have made a case for. But remember we said in the preview, Kithier, what what he brings to the table is he has a, a clear-cut understanding of what his responsibilities are, and he executes them without making a lot of mistakes. The downsides are, the downside, I guess, primarily is he doesn't have the kind of upside that a lot of, even physical tools that, that the other guys in the mix have, you know, but he's going to be responsible. So if you're judging him against Bainham and who I actually thought played pretty well tonight mm-hmm. and, um, and Marble, um, he's probably the guy with the highest floor. Let's call it uh-huh. his Thomas Kithier. He's also probably got the lowest ceiling, but so that one didn't shock me. The lawyer thing, I think, is a combination of of a couple things. One, the word is Rocket Watts has had a little bit of a nagging knee injury. They're, they're not saying it's anything super serious, and he played a lot tonight, but he also didn't play very well. And I thought he didn't look like himself. Now, I'm I'm willing to give him a mulligan based on, you know, that word that he's a little bit south of a hundred percent at the but he played he had a miserable game. So yeah. based on that, boy, you look at the way it unfolded, you're like, there's no question why they'd go the way they did. I thought it was the best game Foster Lawyers played at Michigan State. And if I'm if I'm looking for one big silver lining out of this game, and I I shouldn't say big because I don't want to make too much of it. But if Foster Lawyer, forget the shooting. We we know he can shoot. That's no surprise, you know. Uh, and and against his own, sometimes you're going to get those looks, which he did, and he hit them. You know, six for ten from three. But uh, I thought he looked really comfortable, just generally playing against Eastern Michigan. And Eastern Michigan, again, as we saw, they put pressure on you. They do a lot, but more than most zone teams. They do a lot of trapping. They're aggressive in that zone, and I thought he handled it really well. He only had two assists, but he only also only had one turnover. Mm-hmm. And I thought even besides the numbers, I just thought he looked the most confident and under control that we've seen him at Michigan State. That looked like Foster Lawyer at Clarkston High School. That looked like Foster Lawyer playing for all Ohio Red in EYBL. To my eyes, he it's was the first really time whipping the ball around there too. Yeah, it, it's the first time. That's a sign of confidence. It's the first time at Michigan State that I've seen him look that way. I'd also say this: the kid he was guarding for a lot of that game, Drew Louder. We talked about now. Louder ended up with nine points, but he was only three for twelve from the floor, one for eight from three. Foster guarded him a lot and didn't get abused. Uh-huh. I mean, Foster's never going to be an all-defense guy. We know that. But there's a difference between playing well enough that you can justify being on the floor because of everything you bring offensively and, and just being 
uh, a complete matchup nightmare that you can't play. And he was the former tonight, not the latter. So if there's a silver lining coming out of this game, to me, that's the big, the big one potentially is, Hey, can Foster Lawyer play like that all the time? Because if he can, man, you can use him. Mm-hmm. It's not going to hit 20 points every night, but you can play him. You can use him. He can be, and, and we've said all along, that was the question, right? It's not, can he hit a shot? And we know he's never going to be a great defender. It's primarily, can he get them into their offense? I thought the offense clearly looked better when he was on the floor. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Clearly. And and the mistakes aren't all him. But, in fact, there were very few of them were on him. But I just thought they looked more confident. They looked smoother generally when he was on the floor. With Rock, how much of it is, I'm going to, as I say, at least for one game, you give him a pass based on the word that he's a little bit banged up. Because um, he didn't look himself in any respect. I mean, he's just lazy. I didn't think he was any good defensively, which we know he's good defensively. Yeah. So where all that checks in, I, I don't know. I mean, if it goes further and we get word that, hey, he's okay health, you know, health-wise, well, then there's something else going on. But um, for now, I'm still assuming that in the long run, he's going to be the guy who's going to play already the minutes. But, man, if Foster Lawyer can give you, you know, I'm thinking now based on that performance, if he can give you, you know, 15 minutes a night, that's that changes the equation, right? Oh, yeah. You know, because it means you can play rock off the ball with him, you know, against certain opposition, and and you can also keep him fresh. And you're going to get, you know, and and you also – have Foster available to you if it's a game where you just need somebody to come out and hit a couple jumpers, mm-hmm. you know, and that will give them a that. lot of a depth um, on the right, wing. Right, that's what I mean. Because that's I don't know if Hoggard or Hogard looked a little wild out there in the little few minutes that he not got. Not a surprise. <laughs> not not a surprise. You know, again, you're playing his own. That's going to do that to you when you're a young, inexperienced player and. You know, he's had some health issues that he's overcome, but he had minor surgery a few weeks back. So he hasn't even practiced a lot lately. I'm not Mm -hmm. surprised. And with A.J. Hoggard, I think given what's gone on, um, you're probably talking about January before you get a realistic look at what he may be able to bring them, if much of anything, Mm -hmm. this year. Uh, That's kind of how I view it. Um, based on, you know, based on that scenario. And he's just not a finished product and that's, that shouldn't be a surprise at this point. But you're right. Given all that, they really, they really can use Foster to be the guy he looks like he might actually be now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was the one big sign of encouragement. There were other things I was happy with, but, um, anyway. Uh, so Josh Langford, um, another big story heading into this one. He goes yeah. three for eight. Um, he gets uh, two rebounds, an assist, ten points, but four turnovers. Um, yeah, the the, the turnovers a little bit. A little yeah, nasty. and and Josh also had some defensive fog outs. I mean, look, Michigan State's we talked about a Michigan State's perimeter defensive group, and their defense in general, I think, has a, the potential to be outstanding, and I mm-hmm. still believe that. But man, they weren't great tonight. 
I mean, Aaron Henry was great. Aaron Henry was really fucking good. Nobody else in that group. And, and that includes Josh. The four turnovers, you know, Josh has always been prone to those kind of things, those kind of mistakes. So I'm not shocked by that. I think it will get better. The biggest thing is that he was playing a lot and he looked yeah. like Josh Lightford. I mean, he's two for seven from three. I, that doesn't worry me in the slightest. Mm-hmm. He's going to hit shots. You know, I thought, I thought he had that one take in the base down the baseline, the beginning of the second half where, you know, Jeff Suttles is like, I didn't know that we'd see that out of him because yeah. he went at it full tilt. He's right. There was that. There was an offensive rebound in the second half. I thought there were moments where it's like, okay, that's what you needed to see. Mm-hmm. You know, Josh isn't playing tentatively at all. He's playing like the guy he was. That's really encouraging, too, because there are going to be many, many better days than this from Josh Langford. So the production is not as big a deal for me as just he played freely, he played confidently, he looked good, he moved well. Those are all big deals because if that's happening, I I think it's pretty clear, um, or or at least I, I tend to believe, that the skill set, you know, the ability to hit threes, make plays for others, all that stuff's going to show up. Mm-hmm. So that's another big deal. You talk about depth and lengthening that rotation. Man, I, I don't have the minutes in front of me, but I'm guessing Josh must have played at least around 20. Yeah, yeah. would be my assumption. Uh, that's great. That's fantastic. Uh, and then Henry, a two for three, only three shots from the floor, but um, four rebounds, seven assists, two steals, a block, a um, couple turnovers, but six points. Um, yeah, he he played one of the better six point rebound or six point games you're going to see. I'd like to see those rebounding numbers up a little bit. It's yeah. kind of been a constant refrain of mine over the years. He's got the potential to be much, much better than a four rebound. Um, but other than that, I don't have a lot of complaints. You can say, well, he didn't take nearly enough shots. And that's, that's fair in a general sense because it's been a knock on Aaron throughout his career. But in this game, I didn't have a problem with it because he didn't force anything. And against the zone, you're looking primarily for ball movement. You're looking for guys making good, decisive decisions. And he did that. Uh So it happened that, you know, a guy like Foster Lawyer or Gabe Brown, they were beneficiaries of that because they got open looks as a result of what Aaron did. And, And then, as I mentioned, defensively, he's the one guy in that perimeter group Maybe Gabe to an extent too, but, but especially Aaron, who I think can be very, very proud of what he did because I thought Aaron Henry guarded everybody well tonight. Yeah. Um, so to me, even with the, the lack of scoring, um, that, that was a, that was a really, really nice game from him. And he's going to have games where he's going to score a lot more than that. Obviously we know that, but I, I thought he played pretty well to me, other than Foster, he would be, you know, if, if Foster was 1A, Aaron was 1B in terms of guys who really played well and could be happy with their performances tonight. Mm. Uh, so and we, then some guys. We mentioned uh, Hauser a little bit, but, you know, other than the five turnovers uh, and, you know, looking a little rusty in the first half, I mean, he finishes 6 for 9 from the floor, 15 points, 9 rebounds, a couple assists, uh, two offensive rebounds, missed a couple three-pointers, but... Um, 
There's definitely some things that look uh, really promising with Hauser. Oh, there, Rust. Look, his hands are no, outstanding. Yeah, there's no question. Uh, there, there's a ton of talent in Joey Hauser, and and if this is a bad game, you know, fifteen and nine, well, for, just wait for the good ones, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, but I thought. I didn't think I didn't think he, he despite the fact he had nine rebounds I didn't think he rebounded very well. I thought he was kind of slow off the mark and I look I've seen mostly highlight clips a game here and there when he was a when he was a freshman at Marquette and then you're just relying kind of on the descriptions from people who have seen him a lot more. I don't know whether the issue whether there's an issue with him maybe not being as instinctive a rebounder as you'd like him to be. I don't know. I, I thought tonight he wasn't very quick to the ball. He didn't get much done in terms of out of, out of area rebounds, which you want to see. Um, I'm not, I, I'm just calling it as I saw it. I, I, I'm not knocking him. I think he's capable of giving much more, but I was a little bit disappointed there. But defensively, he was okay, but he, you know, Eastern Michigan really didn't have guys to test him. We, we got a long way to go. You know, we didn't see Eastern Michigan get a hell of a lot done and pick and roll. I need to see that, you know, all that stuff. Offensively, he definitely got his legs underneath him in the second half and, um, I thought did some things. Uh, the shot was not there, but he, to his credit, he didn't force it either. He only took two of them. Mm. Um, we know he's, he's got a season's worth track record in the Big East to suggest that he's an outstanding shooter, not just a good one. So I don't worry about that. Um, he just needs, yeah, he just needs to get his legs underneath him, and, and hopefully he got this one out of the way, and, and we'll see him play much steadier basketball going forward. But, yeah, clearly all the talent's there. It's just, you know, he's essentially stepping into, and it's not fair to make this comparison, but he's stepping in, to in terms of importance and kind of the same role in some ways to pretty big shoes with Xavier Tillman and with Xavier Tillman, you just knew you were getting certain things all the time. And so that's a high bar and it's probably not even a fair one for Joey Hauser, but that's kind of mentally my, my approach is, you know, is this the kind of game Xavier Tillman gives you? And the answer is probably not. Yeah, you know it's going to be a lot steadier than that. But you know Joey does some things that X couldn't do as well, so I have to keep that in mind. Yeah, not not horrendous, just maybe a little bit disappointing. You would have liked him to start out a little better than this, but you know the final numbers are fine, mm-hmm. other than the turnovers. And you know, yeah. Uh, and then Malik Hall um, didn't start, but came off and played quite a bit at that little gap role. Um, three for six from the floor, four rebounds, six or five assists, um, no turnovers, six points. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, you know, we talked, I talked about Kith here, not shocking me that he got the start because uh, of the steadiness, you know, that Izzo knows what he's going to get from him. He knows that he's going to make the right decisions. He's going to be in the right place at the right time, all of that. Well, you could say the same thing about Malik Hall, except Malik Hall has a little more horsepower. Mm. to his game the only problem is he's you know he, they, I think they're a little hesitant as of yet it looks to me to play that lineup with him at the four and Hauser at the five 
um, that would be a lineup I would like to see get some run, just to see. I And I don't have the minute combinations. They, they might have played together tonight. I don't remember it for an extended period of time. Maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong, but um, Malik Hall, I thought quietly played a really nice game. Mm-hmm. He was again, he was under control. We said it earlier, right? He was the best guy in that gap extended role against the zone. I thought, yeah. um, you know, he's he's just a ball player. He's gonna do he's gonna do things that help you win games. And I would I I think. You have to you have to give some thought at some point to finding ways to get him on the floor more. I don't know how yet, but they got to give that some thought. Uh, and then Gabe Brown, um, four for seven, four for six from three, twelve points, one turnover, one assist. It you know it's great that Gabe hit the threes <clears throat> and. You know, you're never going to be unhappy about four for six from three. Yeah. Um, but other than that, the only really memorable thing he did was almost come down with that high feed lob. Yeah. Fox, <laughs> where Foster threw it to the rafters and gave almost came down with it. If you look at the rest of the stats, no rebounds, zero. That's a problem. Mm. And I keep coming back to this defensive rebounding. I lay it on everybody, but especially that wing group. They have to rebound better. And Gabe Brown putting up a donut is not great. Um, he did get no, he did no steals, no blocks. They're just I I didn't think he was bad defensively. There were guys who were worse, mm-hmm. but I just didn't feel like Gabe. He had, and, and it kind of happened the same way in each half, right? In each half, he hit two threes, and they came in pretty rapid succession. Yeah. So he had these quick bursts where he contributed in a major way, and then just kind of silent the rest of the way. That can't, that can't happen. I'm not going to say it was a bad night for Gabe, but they need more from him than just that. Mm-hmm. They really do. Um. And he, and he's capable of giving it to him. There's no doubt in my mind about that. But, you know, because the kind of shooter that he is, not every night's going to go four for six from three. Mm-hmm. So if it's not going to go that way, you've got to be contri- – and he's capable of contributing more. That's the other thing. Uh, Marcus Bingham, um, two for three. He had a nice hook shot there. Um, but yeah. only two rebounds, three assists, two blocks for six points. You know, I thought he played pretty well, and and there's a couple things about him. One, I thought it was the most confident and under control I can remember seeing Marcus Bingham. Mm-hmm. Like even the even the shot he missed from the floor was a good shot, and it was a good move. He just didn't hit it. It was a turnaround hook, kind of similar to the one he hit yeah. in the first half. But it was a good move. So like I had no problem with it. The shot just didn't drop. Um, I thought defensively he looked, you know, again, it's Eastern Michigan. How can you, how can you really judge it too much? But I thought he looked okay there. Mm-hmm. The three assists was nice. You know, he made, he made nice under control decisions. And so he didn't play enough or do enough things to say, wow. You know, it was just a big night for Marcus Bingham. But I don't think he did himself any harm. Mm. 
in terms of staking a claim to a continued regular role in the rotation. And here's the other thing too. I don't know. How did you think he looked physically? I thought he looked, I think he, I think that upper body strength has actually, or bulk has actually come to fruition a little bit. I think it's, I think he looks bigger. Yeah. He, he definitely looks bigger in the shoulders. Um, yeah. And that's not everything, but it's something. I, you know who else um, I've noticed a difference in is Malik Hall seemed to look yeah. a little bit like more shredded, you know, like maybe yep. more muscle mass, a little yep. less fat. I'd agree. I'd agree with that. Mm. So that that's a positive for both those guys. But for Marky in particular, you know, it's not everything. I would prefer to have seen his lower body get a little stronger because that's very, very important for big men mm-hmm. uh, in particular to be able to hold position in the post. You know, and that's occasionally been an issue for Marky, but, um, but any development is welcome. And he thought, I thought he had a nice night, not a headliner kind of night, but a nice night, you know, quietly didn't do himself any harm. Mm-hmm. I don't think there was much to be negative about in terms of his play. Uh, and then Maddie Sissoko, we finally get a, a, a look at, um, I mean, there's no doubt he's kind of a freak of nature. <laughs> I mean, you saw it. Yeah. You saw it on evidence. And I, I saw some people really quickly glanced at the Spartan mag board before we started recording. And I saw some people commenting on, well, he looks smaller than I thought. Like, well, did you watch it? It doesn't matter. He's got seven foot four wingspan. That's what matters. If he's, you know, he's listed as six nine. Okay. Say he's six eight or even six seven and a half. It's a seven foot four wingspan. That means that's he's playing seven foot plus. That's what it means. So it's not an issue. Um, I thought the two blocks that he had it made that readily apparent. Right? It just kind of <laughs> yeah. came out of nowhere. Uh, and that's what you know early on, especially that's what he's capable of giving them. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, and and you saw him able to run the floor effectively too. Yeah, he, he gets was something down the there. floor. So, again, what we did not see, he did, that's, I'm not surprised by that, but um, what we're not, what we didn't get any, uh, any kind of read on tonight, though, is how can he hold up in the half court defensively? You know, if a team is running him through pick and roll and he's got a, he's got a guard a guard, you know, how does he handle all that stuff? Because that's what's really going to determine how much he can play him. Mm-hmm. We know he's a freak. He's got freakish length and that's going to play as a shot blocker. That's great, but that's not everything. And, and, and I will say that, you know, we just talked about Marcus Bingham. If Marcus Bingham is steadier than he's been, you know, if he could play like this, and, you know, Kithier is going to do what Kithier does. And if they do decide to maybe extend it with, uh, extend the amount of time that they, they give to a Hall Hauser look, then I don't know how large the role that's available would be for Maddie. I, 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 I also think that it's entirely possible that he's a guy who ends up forcing them to play him. <laughs> because he just brings some things that you can't get otherwise. Although again, Bainham does give them some of the same things. Um, 
at least in terms of shot blocking. You know, Sissoko, I think, adds an athleticism and a strength that is beyond that even. Uh, and they love the way he attacks the board. So that uh, maybe I should amend it. That's one thing that maybe would be a path to, to Matty Sissoko playing more minutes is more. If, the defensive, if the defensive rebounding continues to be a problem. Mm-hmm. He proves that no matter what, you know, what else he does, he does that. He may play because that is something is a will absolutely make personnel decisions based upon. It's mm-hmm. that you keep giving, you know, and that's, Hey, Rocket Watts, you want to play more? You better block some people out. You better cut out. Because mm. I saw a lot of really lazy cutting tonight. And again, I'm going to give him a pass because I think it could be health-related. But, man, you you can't play that way at Michigan State and think you're going to see minutes. Mm. But that, that would, anyway, bring it back around to Matty. That's, that's the one thing, probably, the one pass he would have early. I think if he just continues to make progress and understanding what they want him to do and how to play, um, he could force his way into minutes regardless because he's, we saw the freak element tonight. <laughs> Definitely. The block in 50 yeah. into what would have been the his 18th yeah. row. <laughs> um, so then, you know, Marble's probably about the only other one, but Hoiberg had a nice move. Um, Marble's in for a little while, one for one. Two rebounds. Two yeah, he didn't play. A, you know, it was garbage time minutes, and and you know, again, you haven't seen him tested. I just, I just wonder um, where. I, I don't think we had a lot of questions answered about either of those spots, the one or the five. Maybe a little yeah. bit the one in the sense that we at least know, hey, Foster Lawyer looks functional. Yeah, that's a positive. The flip side of that is Rocket Watts was really bad. So what, you know, where, where is that going? Cause you've kind of counted, or at least I have, have counted on Rocket Watts being at the very least, you know, a guy who's going to be a lockdown defender and a guy who can go get you points. And I think he will be. I'm not panicked about it, but it just wasn't, it wasn't a good showing at the five, you know, nobody that played the position was awful, but I don't think you saw enough to say, oh, hey, this guy has got it covered. You know, we, we didn't see that. So mm-hmm. Marvel would fit into that. The good news is that means nothing's kind of settled yet. So there's still an opportunity for guys to, to stake a claim by just being more consistent. And that may just be a, a matchup deal. I mean, they got three different guys that are completely different type of players. This was a tough, this was a tougher game in some ways for the fives than it looked like on paper because, you know, I mentioned, hey, Eastern didn't have their lengths. That was a problem. True. But it also means that guys like Marcus Bingham were guarding, you know, guys who were essentially guards. Like six, five guys. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so it was tough. It was really, it was tough on them. I think, um, that, presented a different kind of challenge than one would have anticipated mm-hmm. um so we you know look they got notre dame up next we'll 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 start to see what's what in in that game in terms of it'll be a more conventional kind of matchup mm-hmm. for these guys uh so if we look at the keys rod ball movement what kind of grade would you give them on that they had a ton of assists. You know, yeah they did and and it's it's hard because on the one hand, you look at 
what do we have? 27 assists on 30 made field goals on 90% clip. <laughs> that is vintage Michigan State basketball, right? Mm. Just absolutely sensational. Um, exactly what you want to see. And, and the really interesting thing was they got it from a bunch of guys. You know, you, you, Aaron Henry having seven assists. A big number, not totally unexpected, because we've talked about all along in the offseason that we figured he was going to be a guy they played through, mm. right? So they did that. So no big surprise, but Malik Hall having five, Marcus Bingham having three, you know, a bunch of guys with two assists. You know, they, they really spread it around. It wasn't kind of the Cassius Winston with 12 assists and then everybody else kind of filters in behind him. It was It was a little more balanced than that. But but that's again, Michigan State has always had that kind of approach to offense, even when they haven't had a Cassius Winston. I mean, you know, it's just part and parcel of what they do. Mm-hmm. So not a total shocker there. You look at that, you look at the fact that they shot fifty four point five percent from the floor overall and forty three percent from three, and you're reasonably happy mm-hmm. with that, right? But then I look at eighteen turnovers. And I, and I think about, despite what the numbers say, the way it felt. And I can't say I walk away from that game feeling that was an A effort in yeah. ball movement. They just didn't, I didn't think they attacked the gaps nearly well enough. Not nearly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know, B minus. Yeah, that's something fair. like that. I you can't you certainly can't give it a failing grade, but I didn't think it was great. It was it was like quick and, and fairly decent around the perimeter, but there wasn't a whole lot going inside inside. Yeah, and that's or... the problem. The problem is if if everything is perimeter against the zone, you're not you're not doing the job. You just kind of the throw ball has to go. Shot. <laughs> The ball has to move vertically somehow, either by dribbling into the gaps or more likely by moving the ball into the gaps via the pass. Mm-hmm. And and I just I felt like Michigan State looked like a team that wasn't really in sync, wasn't well drilled, even on running their zone offense. Yeah. And I, I again, I, there's a lot of reasons why that could be the case. So I'm not going overboard here, but just in evaluating this performance, that's what I give it. Maybe a B minus. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, all right. So dealing with pressure. You know. <sighs> pressure. Eighteen turnovers, and I didn't think many of them came. Because I thought that issue actually did a pretty good job of handling it. I have to go mm. back and look at the nature of all the turnovers, but I don't know. Did Did you feel they had a lot of trouble with it? No. The. Um... There was a couple times that they extended the pressure out on Foster and he got it out to um, Rocket really quickly. And then they came down and then they got it easy. That was one of the Gabe Brown threes in the corner. Right. Um, but other than that, they, there wasn't a whole lot. Well, I didn't think they, they had trouble dealing with it. I didn't either. And yet, 18 turnovers. <laughs> so yeah. there was a problem somewhere. A lot of that came in the half court. You know, I think about you know the Joey Hauser two passes to nobody were the ones that really stood out, but there were others. Mm. It was half court stuff, and it wasn't against pressure. It was it was having problems, which probably goes back to why I can't give them a great grade on the on number one. 
because I think about all those mistakes they made against the zone. Yeah. All right. So, uh, second chances. Yeah. Not, not great. Not (laughs) great. You know, you're playing against a team that plays zone and who's missing a lot of its size and you get eight offensive rebounds. You know, the, the leaders were, um, and, and three of those, I think, yeah, three of those were team offensive rebounds. Mm-hmm. So you had Hauser with two and Langford with two, and then Bingham had one. That's it. Where's Aaron Henry? Um, you know, where's Gabe Brown? I, I come back to those wings. Uh, that very, very disappointing to me. Um, rebounding at both ends was just flat out not and we we start recording these immediately after the game so I have no idea what Izzo has said in his post game but I will be floored if he is not livid about the way Michigan State rebounded in this game because it was just awful no excuse and again especially on the offensive end you're playing against a defense that generally will give you opportunity after opportunity after opportunity for putbacks, you know, and Michigan State just didn't have it. You know what part of that, part of the problem there is, is that Michigan State's zone offense was so oriented toward the perimeter. When you're not mm-hmm. breaking it down, you don't have bodies inside. There were a lot of times that that I can think back to that, that gap extended guy actually pulling out to the perimeter, which you will have to do at times to provide an outlet mm-hmm. for a pass. But Michigan State just did not get the ball in the paint very much against that team. And if you're not doing that, you probably do have four guys standing around the arc a lot. But no excuses. It was just a bad performance in that area. No real presence. Yeah. I don't even know. I don't have – the, the MSU the MSU site numbers were not up, so I'm working from ESPN. ESPN does not provide second chance points, but I don't know how many second chance points, if any, Michigan State actually got tonight. Very, very few. I know that. Uh, and then um, shooting, like you said, forty three percent from three, fifty four overall. I mean, they yeah. only missed fifteen shots. 25. Or 25 shots. 30, 30 to 25. 25 shots, yeah. But that's okay. But, you know, 54.5, not terrible. Um, I thought they were okay shooting the ball. Uh, I didn't think it was, oh, my God, brilliant, but it was okay. Mm. The three-point shooting, you know, really good number as a team. Um, and I don't make too much of this stuff because it, it kind of gets into, you know, what are you trying to accomplish? If you say, well, if you take Foster Lawyer and Gabe Brown away, well, Foster Lawyer and Gabe Brown play for Michigan State. So, no, I'm not going to take them away. But those and two they guys. they open shots. They I mean, did, and they hit a lot of them. Right, and and that's what you care about. Whoever's got shots hits them. Mm. Uh, they, those two guys were 10 for 16 combined from three. So other than that, they were two for 12. Um, Josh was two for seven, uh, for the other two makes. And then you had Rocket at 0 for two, Hauser at 0 for two, Henry 0 for one. Um, but that's, you know, I, I I'm not going to apologize for a 43% performance from three. Hmm. You need to do that. If you're playing against the zone, you need to make 
a certain number of three pointers, you know, cause they're, those are shots that are going to be presented and they hit enough of them that I think you give the shooting a passing grade. The free throw performance was really good right until the end when Maddie Sissoko ended up going 0 for 4. They end up 11 for 16 as a team, but that's not fair. They were 11 for 12 before that, mm-hmm. before the tail end of the game, the last two minutes. Um, not a lot of attempts, but um, pretty good. The, you know, guys stepped up and made their free throws. So overall, I'd say a passing performance in terms of shooting the ball. Uh, and then rotation. Yeah, this wasn't like a pass or fail thing. It was just more, what do we know coming out of this that we didn't know before? I think we do know a couple of positive things. We know that um, there is now honest, real reason to believe that Foster Lawyer can be a functional guy in the rotation. Mm-hmm. That we did not know. I think we've got an indication of that. He has to he has to back this up, right, with other performances. But we've got a pretty good indication tonight. And, and again, none of what I'm focusing on in that regard has anything to do with his going six for ten from three. That's that's not what I mean. Yeah, it's how he looked handling the ball, dealing with pressure, initiating offense. Those are the things I was focused on. So we know that. I think we know that Josh Langford looks pretty damn healthy. That's a big positive. Mm-hmm. So those are two things that we know. What we don't know yet is how the point guard position is ultimately going to sort out in terms of the roles. Um, Rocket Watts did nothing tonight to make a case based on his play in this game that, well, he should be the guy playing 30 minutes. I mean, did nothing. Yeah. Along those lines. Again, I'm giving him a mulligan. I'm assuming it's health, and we'll see the real rocket as we go. But um, for tonight, at least, that didn't get sorted out. And the five spot, I don't think it's a huge negative because, as we've said, you know, some of those guys had little moments, at least, where they, they showed positively. And I didn't think any of the fives were terrible. Well, you could knock them off for rebounding, so I guess there's that. But um, you know, we don't. We're not any. I don't feel like we're any closer to having that question sorted out either. Yeah, the and, and that are, one is 15 minutes for Kithier, 15 for Bingham, and then Sissoko was six, and Marble was three. Yeah, so that's basically your 40 minutes, right? Among those, among those yeah. four guys, that's 39 of 40 minutes. Uh, I don't feel we're any closer to knowing, okay, it's <laughs> no, going really. to be this guy or that guy. And we may never get there. It may be a lot like the four spot was, or I guess the five. It depends how you classify Xavier Tillman. But remember, that's pretty much what we went through last year. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, until maybe the tail end of the season, we felt like X and Hall kind of settled in to to a little more sustained combination. Um, but we just, so I don't feel like we got there. I don't feel like we're yet at a point where, where, um, the rotation itself is even fully sorted out. Like, you know, do we, it's, oftentimes Izzo gets into predictable patterns where, you know, okay, the sixth man, which in this group is, um, 
the sixth man is going to always come in at this point. And, you know, and we know how these guys, what roles they're going to be in consistently. I don't even know, as I say, that we might not see a shift at some point where we have Hauser playing more at the five and Hall at the four together. You know, we're not there yet. We just, I think we, again, having two, two positive things along those lines coming out of this game is okay. That's pretty good. The lawyer in Langford, as I think is, is, a positive for Michigan State, but I don't think we got really anything else even remotely answered. Yeah, he kind of went with the hockey uh, switch, it, like it start the game off where they just yeah, they, the new but you know, but he had kind of had to because that was a result of that there being no stoppage in play. So that first timeout, that first media timeout, mm-hmm. took like two minutes more than it would normally take. So I think that's why we saw that. I don't know that that's something I expect to see from him going forward. But but you're right. The fact that it happened that way means we don't really yet have a clue as to how he'll normally do it. Does it? Will it normally be that, you know, if you get that first media timeout when it's supposed to happen, um, does he just come in with Gabe for somebody? Mm-hmm. Or is it Gabe and Watts or Gabe and Lawyer, depending upon how that position's going? Or who the, who the hell knows? We get, or I didn't say that. I didn't make that point suggesting that we're going to have all the answers after this game. It's just, okay, this is a starting stage for that starting point. Do we, do we start to see the beginnings of answers to how the rotation is going to look? And I think that we did get some of that. We got, we got enough to satisfy me with Lawyer and Langford. I think those were two really good indicators. They just need to be sustained. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, cause for whatever the confusion is or the myriad ways it could be answered inside, one thing you know is Michigan State's got a lot of bodies. They got a lot of potential answers inside. Mm-hmm. So you don't worry as much about that. At least I don't. The perimeters where I'm more concerned because they don't have that same level of depth. So the guys who you're looking at as candidates to play, I mean, let's, let's throw the converse out there. If Foster Lawyer really struggled tonight and Josh Langford did not look like himself physically, where would that leave Michigan State's perimeter group? Yeah, that's pretty rough shape, right? <laughs> yeah. So it matters more, I think. So the guys they really needed to show out, you know, for the most part, Rocket accepted, I think look look good. Mm. Good enough where you want them to be. Okay. Well, any uh, final thoughts on this one, Rod? I think you you take the win and you just move on. Notre Dame's going to be a whole entirely different kind of test. Michigan State's going to need to be much, much better. I suspect that they will be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah. The the best thing about all this is that there was a college basketball game played tonight that we all cared about. Yeah. That's the best. Thing. And uh, I, I, was, I literally watched it almost all day. Nebraska. Right. Nebraska is going to be a problem. Well, what do we talk about, right? Man. Did I, did I talk about what kind of difference those guys, especially Banton, yeah. is going to make? And I'm pretty convinced I had that one right after watching some of that game. I watched maybe the first half and maybe the first five minutes or so of the second half. Um, yeah, they're going to be a different team. I'm not ready to say I I underrated them at 12, 
in the league because the league, a lot of teams look good. I mean, Illinois looked very good. Ohio State had some good moments. Michigan, Michigan looked pretty good considering, you know, the opponent they played is a pretty good team. Bowling Green is kind of considered the favorite in the MAC. Mm-hmm. So to beat them by whatever they did, 20, that, that actually was a decent game. I didn't think Michigan looked great, but I thought they looked, I thought they looked solid. You know, um, I didn't see any of Iowa, but they pulled away. And, and yeah, they didn't look too great. Their, yeah. their defense is a problem still. Yeah, and it's going to be all year long. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. I can I can look at this and say, well, I didn't feel good at all about the way Michigan State defended. But yet I look at the numbers. Eastern shot 41% from the floor, 19% from three. Um <laughs> Now, MSU did put them on the line. They got 16 free throw attempts. So they were a little more foul prone than you'd like. But, you know, we know Michigan State's going to be really good <laughs> defensively. Iowa, I, yeah, what you, what you see is probably a version of what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, it's great. It's just great to have the sport back. That's the biggest thing out of all of this. So next up, we got uh, Notre Dame this Saturday at six o'clock. Um, until then, uh, happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Um, happy Thanksgiving to you, Rod. You too. Yeah. Till next time, the Final Four is not on the schedule. <laughs>